When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He's a Virginia Tech grad and Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question. we got a new guest with us on tonight. Tell us about him. Yep, just another podcast preview here is leading up to the 2017 <laughs> season, Joey. Uh, it's a marathon, right? Not a sprint. But we got Jim Hammond on from Cardiac Hill helping us preview Pittsburgh, of course, from the SB Nation Network. So, Jim, what's going on, buddy? Not much, guys. Good to talk to you guys again. Old old friends from the Mark Rogers TVs days. Yeah, we're getting the band back together, man. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, we're excited to talk a little bit of Pittsburgh football this year. I think they were one of the most nationally interesting teams last year with a couple big wins and a crazy fun offense and all this. Um, so, again, thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to getting into this a little bit. Um, we're going to start on a bit of a sour note here and, and just dive right in with a question so it was a, a little over a week ago, I guess, uh, Pittsburgh announced that they had a, a bunch of suspensions, had a player kicked off the team, and not just you know any players, but you know the star defensive back Jordan Whitehead was suspended three games, uh, had a couple other starters that were suspended and or I think one was booted as well. What is this? I mean, with, with a, a tough early slate, you know, two of the first three games are Penn State and Oklahoma State. How do those early season absences really impact what we should expect from Pittsburgh this year? Um, I, I, you know, losing Jordan Whitehead is, I, I can't state how big that is. He's arguably the best player on the team. One of the best defensive backs in the ACC, uh, two year starter was defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year in 2015. I mean, he's a great player. So, um, you know, in Pitt's defense last year, the pass defense was atrocious, but he was the one lone bright spot on that uh, defense. You know, he went down in the Clemson game. Uh, you know, obviously Deshaun Watson had his way, even though Pitt won the game. Uh, they gave up seven or 63 to Syracuse. So his absence definitely made a big difference last year whenever he didn't play. So it's definitely concerning, uh, you know, not having him against uh, Trace McSorley in Penn State, uh, Mason Rudolph in Oklahoma State, two very potent offenses. So uh, you, you just can't, you know, put a measure on that it, it, it's huge then obviously Roy Blair he's uh you know looking to be a full-time starter this year he started a little bit in the past uh you know kind of an up and down player but he got uh he got kicked off the team and it, it sounds like it was multiple offenses he was uh suspended two years ago from a DUI um so it's just kind of a lingering thing with him and uh the the, the disappointing one um is Quentin Virginis. Uh, he is a career backup, a three-year career backup behind uh, Mac Lambos, and everyone expected him to be the middle linebacker this year. So uh, you kind of, you know, you hate to see a kid waste an opportunity because he kind of put in the time and, you know, it was going to be his chance and, you know, he's not going to be there. So it's it's really, you know, it's disappointing. Uh, you know, Pitt fans always have this woe is me mentality. We're the only team that ever has suspensions or kids kicked off the team or anything like that. That's just kind of how Pitt fans are. They're always looking over their shoulder for 
the next bad thing to happen. So, of course, this just fed right into it. Well, speaking of bad things to happen, you lose Matt Canada, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, Nate Peterman, gone to the NFL, James Conner, gone to the NFL. So, Such an uplifting preview. Yeah, here we go. We're off to a solid start. But let's talk about the offense. Right. You're right in my wheelhouse, guys. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the offense a little bit because – of course, Canada has gone. Peterman's gone. James Conner's gone. Still got Quadri Henderson. Uh, you know, obviously a very dynamic player, a uh, very versatile player as well. So let's talk about the offense, what it's going to look like. Um, quarterback position looks like it, it probably will be Max Brown, but um, kind of a, across the board offensively, what are you expecting? And, you know, what should, you know, fans of the ACC expect when looking at Pittsburgh's offense this season? I mean, I think the key is definitely quarterback play because you look at the rest of the offense, uh, they're bringing back three starting offensive linemen. Uh, they're bringing back their fullback, George Aston, both receivers, Henderson and Wea. So there, there's weapons there. And, uh, you know, they have some experienced running backs, even though, you know, they lose James Conner, but uh, Quadri Olsen started two years ago, was the uh, ACC Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, you know, Darren Hall and Shantez Moss played a little bit. So, you know, I expect the offense to kind of run the same way it did under Matt Canada. I think they're going to use a lot of the same plays. I, I think, uh, you know, teams are going to be sitting on the Quadri Henderson jet sweep, but I still think there'll be a lot of misdirection, a lot of motion, uh, you know, just a lot of creativity. Um, you know, I, I was talking to some LSU fans, you know, right when they were about to poach Matt Canada last year, and I said, you'll love this offense. We had 10 touchdowns from George Aston, the fullback. Our starting right tackle had two touchdowns. I mean, he, he just found creative ways to get different people the ball. He scored, you know, how many touchdowns off jet sweeps. So, you know, Pitt's straightaway offense was good. I mean, Nate Peterman was drafted in the NFL as a quarterback. James Conner was a third-round pick as a running back. But, you know, the fact that he was able to get tight ends involved, get fullbacks involved, get an offensive lineman involved, he's very creative. So, uh, you know, I think Pitt has the right personnel. I think there's a lot of good, uh, you know, options available. Uh, you know, there's some exciting young players coming up through the system. But again, it's the play calling is definitely going to be missed by Matt Canada because he was just so creative. Uh, you know, there were so many times last year, you know, uh, hanging 42 on Penn State, 43 on Clemson, uh, you know, the 77 against Syracuse. I mean, Pitt's offense really was explosive and it wasn't an air raid attack. It wasn't a triple option attack. It was kind of a pro style set, which made it, you know, all, that more unique to score that many points. So you mentioned this a little bit, you know, you have to replace James Conner. You've got Quadri Allison at running back, obviously fantastic two years ago as a freshman, um, stepping in when James Conner got hurt and then underwent the cancer treatment. It was really a nice surprise, a, a true unknown at the position. And then last year, of course, takes a backseat to James Conner when Conner returns. So expectations for Quadri Allison at running back, same as they were in, in 2015 or, you know, tempered a little bit because he just kind of sat behind Connor last year. Just general expectations for Quadri Allison at, at the running back position. I'd say going into it right now, like uh, he's taking first team reps in fall camp and he's, you know, he's kind of the guy, but there, there's some other uh, running backs that they, they really like. And uh, I think the thing with Allison is he's kind of more of a, you know, straightaway back, uh, not a lot of speed, but, you know, he hits the hole, falls forward and gets five yards. I think they want guys to be able to, you know, make someone miss, break a tackle, uh, you know, you know, turn a five-yard run into a 20-yard run. And they have two uh, ESPN 300 four-star running backs, freshmen coming in, A.J. Davis from Florida, Todd Sibley from Akron, Ohio. So I think they're going to be in the mix. Uh, a true freshman that played last year, Shantez Moss, you know, he impressed a little bit, got hurt uh, midseason. So I, I think, you know, 
losing Connor obviously is not a good thing, but I also think running back's pretty deep for Pitt. And I think, uh, you know, Olsen's definitely the favorite in the clubhouse right now, but I, it's not a sure thing at all that he'll be the starter for the full season. I, for one, am excited for another year of America's favorite game, name that quadri. Um, should be another good one between Allison and Henderson. Uh, I want to talk about the defense here real quick, Jim. So this is like something that surprises me with Pittsburgh. Hiring a guy like Pat Narduzzi was a, a very successful defensive coordinator at Michigan State, had some really good units there, and now through two years has had two pretty lackluster defenses from 2016 in particular, there is a ton of rebuilding that has to be done. Basically, the entire front seven needs to be rebuilt and a significant portion of the secondary as well. And so in general, you would look at that and say, well, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of guys that aren't returning and you've got to, uh, you've got to fix that, you know, and kind of find ways to replace them, that's, that's a bad thing. But at the same time, this unit didn't have a whole lot of success when it had those guys. I mean, what's, the, what's this looking like as far as a total rebuild for the defense? Is that a bad thing? Is that going to really hinder this team what are your expectations of that unit this year i think this is the type of defense that it might start slow uh they have a lot of new guys but i think it's one that can get better over time um you know i, I you know obviously pat narduzzi's reputation pre you know precedes himself he was a great def uh, defensive coordinator at michigan state and i think uh you know two things that have held him back here at pitt defensively one is talent and two is stubbornness because there was times last year where i thought you know, maybe get out of man coverage. You have undersized corners, they're not making plays, give them some help over top. Maybe instead of making Jordan Whitehead the strong safety, maybe, maybe make him the free safety, allow him to, you know, be in coverage a little bit more. So there was times where, you know, it just kind of, you kind of got the sense in press conferences that Narduzzi said, no, this is, this is how it works. It worked at Michigan State. It's going to work here. Just give it time. So, and I, I think it will. I think, uh, you know, Narduzzi's been here for three recruiting classes. The first one was kind of thrown together. So his two real recruiting classes, they're redshirt freshmen and freshmen. So the results aren't going to be there yet. You're, you're starting to see some of his guys filter in the defense. Uh, Celine Brightwell, middle linebacker. Uh, he, he's the kind of guy that, you know, he was brought in by Narduzzi. He made the big interception against Clemson, returned at 70 yards. So he's a young player that's exciting, but they are losing a lot. Juan, Juan Price was one of the best defensive ends in the country. Uh, you know, having Jordan Whitehead out for a couple games, uh, all three linebackers are new. Uh, you know, pretty much the entire defensive line's new. Um, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the schedule makers did them no favors with two top 10 teams in September. Then, you know, you know right when you're done with Oklahoma State, you got to go play the triple option in Georgia Tech. So it's, it's, it's really a tough, tough, you know, opening slate for a young defense. So... Pat Narduzzi, right? So he comes in and the defense is, I mean, he didn't necessarily inherit a mess, but he didn't inherit a defense like he had at Michigan State, that's for sure. Um, you know, bringing in a couple recruiting classes like you mentioned, but, you know, the defense was pretty ugly there second half of last season. Of course, you know, having injuries in the secondary never helps. Um, losing a guy like Jordan Whitehead, you lose a handful of defensive players heading into the start of this season. If the defense is really, really bad again and the offense struggles because they're still kind of young, I mean, they do have some contributors on the offense, don't get me wrong, but they are they are still young. They're going to be – it's going to be a new guy quarterback, whether it's Max Brown who comes in for a year or it's going to be somebody else. Uh, does Narduzzi's job security come into question at all this year? I know it sounds silly because he's only entering his third season, but um, is that something that Pitt fans are kind of – 
going to be pushing if you know Pitt is you know a four and eight, five and seven team. Worst case scenario. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. And uh, I think Narduzzi gets more credit than he probably deserves uh, among the Pitt fan base. He's really well liked. Uh, everyone really, uh, you know, really thinks that he's taken it in the right direction, going eight and five for two straight years after Paul Chris went six and six for four straight years. So it's you know it, it's not a huge improvement, but it, it you know it feels. It feels better. I mean, it, it, you beat Clemson, you beat Penn State, you beat Georgia Tech last year. You're going to bowl games. Uh, you're competitive. You know, all the games they lose are by a point or two. So, I mean, if if they took a big step back, I, I think people would start to question it. But um, I think almost a small step back is kind of expected at this point with, you know, so much turnover, uh, you know, these these suspensions and injuries and, you know, just all these things thrown at you before the season even happens. And, you know, the schedule's tough. Uh, the Coastal's, I think, the best it's been in a couple years now. I think it's really top-heavy. So, uh, you know, are they going to go 8-4 and four again? I don't know. I think it's probably looking more like 7-5 and five realistically. I mean, it would be a pretty major upset if they were able to kind of take Oklahoma State or Penn State, one of those games. Uh, if they're able to do that, you know, things things would look a lot better. But it, it's you're, you're almost looking at a 1-2 and two start, so it, it's kind of difficult. But... Uh, his job's definitely secure here. Uh, he's well-liked here. He's uh, from Eastern Ohio, you know, right across the border from Western Pennsylvania. I mean, it's he's a local guy. Uh, people really like him, uh, and people are buying what he's selling right now. Jim, I, if I had told you two years ago when Narduzzi was just coming in as a head coach, if I had told you that in his first two years he wouldn't field a defense better than 50th nationally, you know, and in year two they would be 62nd according to S&P Plus, like – would that have surprised you as much as it would have surprised me, given what we knew from him from Michigan State? I think a little bit. I, I mean, you know, uh, you didn't realize how bad the situation was until you kind of you, you, you step back and you have this great defensive coordinator and you think he can do all these great things. Then you, you stop back and look and the, the talent just really wasn't there. There was, uh, you know, Paul Christ, he was great at recruiting offense. I mean, he has some great, all those guys drafted this past year, running backs, uh, you know, linemen. But his def- defensive recruiting for years was just really bad. I mean, you had you had guys, you know, Pitt was beating out Mac schools for their best defensive players. So, and, and you saw that in the past couple of years. So, um, you know, there, there's been an uptick in recruiting. Um, you know, they're getting more four stars. They're getting they're beating people for recruits. So, it is surprising. I think everyone just kind of hoped Narduzzi would you know wave a wand and everything would be fixed. But I think he's having problems with, uh, adjusting from the Big Ten to the ACC. Uh, the Big Ten, you know, kind of more of that ground and pound, cold weather football. And, you know, in the ACC, I mean, last year, Pitt faced Trubisky. They faced uh, Mason Rudolph, uh, McSorley, Kaya. I mean, uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, like, every team they seemingly played had a guy either drafted as a quarterback or as a receiver. So it was hard. And, uh, it, you know, it is frustrating that Pitt was ranked 127 out of 128 in uh, pass defense. I mean, it, there's no way around it. Uh, you know, when you watch the pit game, you're like, hey, the only way they're getting out of this is if they get an interception or a fumble because they're going to score. And to Narduzzi's credit, I mean, that's that's kind of what Georgia Tech has done in recent years. When Paul Johnson's really confident in his de- in his offense, he'll tell the defense just be really aggressive. Either you know try to cause a three and out, cause a turnover, whatever. Because worst case is that the opposing offense scores, and our offense can go right back out there and keep doing its thing. And I think. Especially in a, in a situation last year, like where you had Matt Canada's offense that was just chugging along, you know, throughout the season. 
I could see that strategy working perfectly fine. I mean, that was a top five offense by a lot of different measures. And so you have reason to feel confident rather than needing your defense to step up and win games. But at the same time, you look at the five games they lost and there's a fairly common thread there of the defense letting them down more so than the offense. So I, I just, I thought that was interesting, you know, that we've, we see that sometimes in this conference is that we've got a few different coaches that have a certain background and then they go as a head coach to a team and they, their teams have totally opposite strengths, right? Like you look at Steve Adazio at Boston College. He was the offensive coordinator of some really great Florida offenses. And now Boston College offense is just almost unwatchable at times, you know. And so it's it's surprising to me, I guess, that these things happen. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a total product. And you got to really look at what he's doing as a head coach and building a program rather than just specifically the side of the ball that you're used to seeing him on, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think a big thing, uh, you know, in his two years here is – He's been able to win close games. Obviously, uh, you know what Georgia Tech pit won on, you know, two last-second last field goals. And those are the games they would lose before. Those are the games where, you know, Pitt would all – Pitt never – you know, through the years, they don't get blown out a lot. They're always in these games. They're always these, like, heartbreaking, uh, you know, lose to North Carolina, Ryan Switzer returns a touchdown, and that's it. I mean, Pitt's always in the game. So, you know, what he's doing is, you know, the defense isn't great, but they kind of, like, grind it out anyway. Like, they, they won in spite of their defense a few times last year. And um, so the fact that he's able to make them competitive with just such a bad defense, I think it's the kind of the mindset, the belief that they can win close games now. And he, he kind of he has he's instilled that uh, it's kind of weird, but things aren't a lot different talent wise from Paul Chris to now. I mean, it, it hasn't been that long of a time, but the mindset has seemingly changed. So we look at the schedule here, Jim, and we've kind of alluded to this already. Tough opening stretch. Um Obviously, just having to play Penn State and Oklahoma State. Penn State's, you know, this is the best team they've fielded in, you know, 10 or 15 years in all likelihood. Um, Oklahoma State, they throw the ball about a thousand times a game. And then you got to face Georgia Tech the following week, which is just a completely different offense. So, rough three to four game stretch to open the year. A manageable game against Rice in late September. And then... You know, I look at the rest of the schedule here, and obviously you play in the Coastal Division. You know, the Coastal, as you mentioned, very top-heavy, but there are a lot of winnable games here in, in the ACC schedule. Um, you get UNC uh, in November, and UNC is going to be down this year. They're rebuilding as well. Virginia, uh, you know, they're lucky they can they can field a team at this point. Um, and then Virginia Tech and Miami towards the end of the year, obviously two, two tougher games, so... Jim, just evaluate the schedule, you know, kind of as it stands, you know, heading into the year after that four-game stretch in September. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you have to assume you're going to beat Youngstown State. And obviously, you'd love to split with Penn State and Oklahoma State. You know, I, I go back and forth. I, I try to think, yeah, which, which one's more winnable? And I really don't know. Uh, you know, Penn State's really good. It's up there. Uh, they got, you know, they know Pitt beat them last year. So they're going to come out firing and Obviously, Oklahoma State's so good, and without Jordan Whitehead, they're just going to be able to score at will. So, I mean, you can't lose Penn State, Oklahoma State, and Georgia Tech. You can't lose all three of them. So I'm going to say they're 2-2 two and two there. But then you said after that, you know, Rice, Syracuse, NC State, Duke, Virginia, those are all winnable games. So, I mean, they could go into that final stretch of, you know, North Carolina, uh, who's been a huge thorn in their side since joining the conference, Virginia Tech, Miami. I mean, realistically, they could have their, you know, you know the fate in their own hands uh, so to speak, uh, to win the coastal. So, I mean, once you get out of September, if you can get out of there two and two or better, I mean, I think you're sitting pretty well until you get into that last three, three week stretch. I mean, 
you know, North Carolina, since I don't think Pitt has beat them since they joined the league, Virginia Tech, they've always been good games. I think Virginia Tech won by six last year, and Pitt's always had trouble with Miami. But, um, you know, two of those games are at home. It's cold weather. You know, Miami coming up to Pittsburgh on the day after Thanksgiving. So, I mean, the schedule overall, it looks like it's seven and five, eight and four. Uh, but it, it's hard to see, you know, much better than that. On on my end, looking at the schedule, Jim, um, I, I'm thinking seven and five as well. Um, if they want to go eight and four, I think they have to go two and two in that opening stretch for sure. Because I look at the rest of the schedule and Virginia Tech and Miami. I mean, like you mentioned, the game. I'm, you know, speaking to a Virginia Tech alum here, Jim. The games between Pitt and Virginia Tech are always dogfights. So I, I could see that being a toss-up, even though that game is in Blacksburg. Uh, of course, Virginia Tech won the game last year in Pittsburgh, but Tech has struggled so mightily at Heinz Field that it's just been a complete crapshoot every time they go there to play. But they've had a little bit more success at home, the Hokies have against Pittsburgh. But I don't I don't put it past Pittsburgh to give Virginia Tech a run for their money there in late November. Um, Miami game, as you mentioned, having it at home I think helps because Miami, of course, going from South Florida to, to Pittsburgh in late November will not be a fun time for them weather-wise. Um, but, yeah, I see 7-5, and five too. Um, I, I think Youngstown State's a win. I think it's going to be a tough opening stretch there. But then you look at Rice, Syracuse, NC State, Duke, and Virginia. I think you can win all those games. And if you beat North Carolina, that's seven wins. Um, so that's without going into that last two-game stretch against Virginia Tech and Miami. Um, I, I think worst-case scenario here for Pittsburgh is that, you know, they beat Youngstown State, they lose the next three, and then they drop – a game against Syracuse, NC State, or Duke. If they drop a game in there, I could see it being tough for them to um, get to six wins, especially when when talking about the North Carolina game in November and, and Pitt and North Carolina have obviously had some battles there. North Carolina has has played so well against Pittsburgh in the past that you know that could be a tough game. So I see seven and five. I think eight and four is possible, especially if you – somehow find a way to upstate, upset Penn, Penn State or Oklahoma State or beat Georgia Tech on the road there and go 2-2 two and two in that opening stretch. So I'm going to stick with 7-5 and five here, Joey. What about you? So I'm going to start out, first of all, by saying that I picked Pitts, Pittsburgh to win the Coastal last year, so I am not a Pitt hater. Let's get that out of the way, first of all. Second of all, uh, I... I didn't even notice this before, but Jim, you kind of pointed out, man, there is some crazy schedule, like stylistic whiplash there in the first three week, you know, first three major games of the season. You got Penn State who can kind of spread it out, but, you know, really bang it inside too with Saquon Barkley. You go to Oklahoma State, which is just going to sling the ball around the yard everywhere. And then you go to Georgia Tech, where it's just, you know, its own option offense, you know, kind of just really different stuff on a week-to-week basis. You wonder how that affects, especially a brand-new defense, again, as they're rebuilding. Ultimately, I don't like the way this schedule sets up for Pittsburgh at all. Um, I, I'm i with you guys. I think you're t- probably talking about 1-3 and three when you host Rice at the end of September. Um, I, I don't – the nice thing is that some of the toughest games you get at home, uh, Oklahoma State, NC State, North Carolina, Miami are all home games – uh, road games, Penn State, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, uh, Duke, and Virginia Tech. I think that's easier, but I, I just I don't like the way this sets up. I think NC State is going to be pretty good. I think you're getting North Carolina at the wrong time. I think Miami might be playing with a lot of swagger towards the end of the year that they've already wrapped up the Coastal. Um, I don't like the way this sets up for Pittsburgh. I'm going to call it 6-6. Six and six. 
Um, I I could see it maybe a little better, especially if if the offense retains the effectiveness of when Matt Canada was the play caller and if the defense can be effective even in a bit of a rebuild. But I do not like the way this sets up for, for Pittsburgh this year. I'm, I'm going 6-6, six and six, and I wouldn't be shocked if it was a little worse than that, if you know, drop another game in there somewhere that maybe they shouldn't. Yeah, they, they do not have a lot of room for error, like you said. I mean, you open up with those three tough games, and you finish with three tough games. So, I mean, you, they you know they have to take care of those five games in between. They really need to win all of them. They, they really just need to take care of that. And, uh, you know, obviously – it, it, it actually happened a few years ago. They did lose to Youngstown State. I mean, Paul Christ, his first game of his tenure, um, you know, now it's Bo Pelini. So, I mean, you have a respected head coach. I mean, they're a dangerous 1AA team. I think they went to the national championship last year. So, I mean, in this day and age, in 2017, those things can happen. You have to be ready from the start. I mean, I think, a few, I think North Dakota State got Iowa last year. I mean, it's possible. So, I mean, you have to be ready from the start. Man, so it sets up to be an interesting campaign for Pittsburgh this year. Um, hopefully, you know, a lot of stuff coming back for 2018 sets up really nicely then, but might be kind of tough sledding. Again, a lot's, lot lot, to replace, not only players, but also, again, a, a really top-notch offensive coordinator, uh, like a few guys on defense, everything like this. So uh, in my mind, maybe a tough season for Pitt, but um, – Again, you got to kind of like what Pat Narduzzi's building there. I mean, he's he's put together an effective program. You saw it last year as they took down Penn State and Clemson, both you know very top notch, top ten teams. Kind of made them uh, Pittsburgh again a, a very very interesting team nationally in 2016. But uh, Jim, we appreciate you joining us. This has been a lot of fun. Um, tell us where they can uh, tell us where they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Jim Hammett. Uh, two M's, two T's in the last name. And uh, you can obviously check out uh, the site's uh, Twitter. It's at Pit Panther blog. And uh, obviously check out CardiacHill.com. Uh, you know, a pit off season's always, always crazy. There's guys suspended. There's guys ineligible. There's doom and gloom. Uh, we are the, we are the most miserable fan base in the ACC. I say this about a lot of these SB Nation sites, but really, if you're looking for really good Pittsburgh sports coverage in general, you know, not even just football, but basketball and others, Go check out Cardiac Hill. They do a great job. And uh, Jim, tell Spilly hi for me. Oh, I will. He's a character. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us, Jim. This has been great. Uh, really appreciate your insights on Pittsburgh. Uh, you guys go follow him again at Jim Hammond on Twitter and find him at Cardiac Hill. Uh, Jim, you're always welcome. Please come back soon and uh, look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Thanks, Jim. All right. That's Jim Hammond again. At Jim Hammond on Twitter, Cardiac Hill over at SB Nation, the uh, the Pit Panther site, or pitpantherblog.com. You can go find him there as well. Um, Mike, we got some more of these to do. We got a whole lot of teams to burn through, but in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can also send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, anything else to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it, buddy. You're killing it. Yeah. I'm getting good at this. Uh, you can also find us our stuff on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, anywhere that podcasts are sold for free. And uh, Mike, tell them where else they can find us. Facebook.com slash basketball conference, rate our podcast, review our podcast, find all of our podcast recordings there. Um, go like the page, all the good stuff there. Absolutely. And thanks to everybody who has done so, including, again, the uh, – the rates and reviews and all that on iTunes or on SoundCloud or whatever. Uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate your all support, you know, looking to keep 
bring you guys some good uh, podcast content. But uh, Mike, this has been fun. You want to do it again soon? Absolutely, buddy. Sounds good. Well, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Jim Hammett, until next time, I'm Joey Weaver. Thanks for listening. Go ACC. Go ACC.